Welcome to the Kingdom Culture Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this spirit-filled message that it blesses your week and brings you joy and perspective. To connect with us, hop on social media and for more information, head to kingdomculturechurch.com.au. Thank you so much for sharing your Easter Sunday evening with us. It's wonderful that you would do that. I'm aware we have many visitors today. Many of you are family and friends of the congregation and that is so awesome and you're welcome. Let's just give them a... It's, it's, it's just so good to have you with us. And At the movies, I like to slip my shoes off and relax. I'd encourage you to do the same. We don't believe in sock hole shame in this church. Sit back, chill a bit. I just want to speak to you for a few short moments about what it means to be marked for life. That's the uh, message title of, uh, that I have chosen. You see, most of us can relate to the fact that we have been marked by life. Marked sometimes in positive ways, but often we're marked in ways that can leave us hurt or broken or at the very least a bit cynical and jaded. But what I've discovered is that having a relationship with Jesus... With Jesus in the centre, it means that whereas once I was marked by life, I now am marked for life. What do I mean by that? Jesus said that he had come that we could have life, a vibrant life. A life that was worth living. So that even though things happen to us, we don't get jaded, cynical and broken. We actually learn to live life to the full. And Jesus gives us a way to live. So that problems still happen, but we have a way through the problems. He said he would be the way, the truth, and the life for us. My perspective, my viewpoint has changed so much from a little... I was a young lad when I became a Christian, but it's changed so much from living a fearful and depressed life to living with a certainty that God is for me and not against me. Now, I don't know about you, but... It's the small things in my place of work that drive me crazy. Now, this happens to be my place of work. (laughs) So we've got a room in that room over there. We have meetings and we talk about the service and what we're feeling going to happen and the song list and all these good things. And we've got a whiteboard. Actually, sometimes we have a whiteboard because it goes missing. Then we find the whiteboard, and then we can't find the markers for the whiteboard. And then when we do find the markers for the whiteboard, they don't work. Or some genius has written on the whiteboard in a permanent marker. (laughs) Which at worst means that the board is useless. And I've got a little replica here. Isn't that cute? I'm going to wipe it. We'll see what happens. It ends up, at the best, a bit of a mess. Message of Easter is really all about this sort of thing, can the slate be wiped clean? Can the whiteboard of our life be wiped clean or does it always have to be like this? We do our best, but
but it ends up a bit of a smudgy old mess. Can I get a fresh start? And that's what Easter is all about, the fresh start. The marks, though, may be gone, but the stain is still there. What are we doing about that? Some things we experience in life just seem as if they've been written in indelible ink. Anyone experience that? Feels like it can't be wiped away. They're not surface deep, but they seem to be very, a part of our very being. And even though we can wish with all our heart that they weren't. Let me tell you, just to change, tack a little bit about Otzi the Iceman. Now, Otzi the Iceman is a guy, in 1991, I'm getting ahead of myself, a group of hikers were exploring the Alps on the Austrian-Italian border. They came across a mummified corpse of a person half buried in ice. Because the group was so high in the mountains, they thought that it was probably the remains of a lost mountaineer. Local authorities were brought in to investigate, and they thought it possibly was the body of an Italian soldier who'd gone astray in the First or Second World War. Archaeologists examining the body made a stunning discovery that this was the body of a man who had perished 5,000 years earlier. And he was nicknamed Otzi after the region he was found in. Now, have we got a photo of Otzi? There he is. Good-looking dude. Well, Otzi was examined closely and some pretty amazing facts about his life were made known. He was in his 40s and he had been killed by a blow to the back of the head. He also had, I'm a bit, I like to be Italian, so I've only got this today, not the head one, but he had cuts to his hands. And he probably had been in a fight a few hours before he died. And it's thought that in that fight, someone was chasing him and had done him in from the back. From the back. In the last eight hours of his life, he had eaten a meal of deer and goat, ferns and grains, all chased down with a cherry ripe. <laughs> I just said that to see if you're still with me. Anyway, Otzi indeed was the original consumer of the paleo diet. But... You can see why modern paleo diet enthusiasts haven't used Otzi to advertise the effects of the diet, but they prefer to use P. Evans. Now, yes. <laughs> Pete Evans, Otzi. <laughs> Pete Evans, one year after he started the diet. Otzi, two years after he started the diet. I'm just saying. But one of the most unusual discoveries they found when they examined Otzi is that he was covered in tattoos, 61 in all. And these tattoos were made by cuts in the skin that soot was rubbed into them. And uh, they believed that they were for medicinal purposes so that um, the cuts, the tattoos, actually marked um, the site for acupuncture because he was actually very crippled with um, arthritis and things like that. So Otzi is the earliest known tattoo wearer. Now, you're wondering where I'm going with all this. Just bear with me. The wider acceptance of tattoos in modern Western society may seem a fairly recent event. I thought it was a fairly recent event. Anyone else? One of you? Good. The rest of you are geniuses. But actually, 200 years ago, people of all levels of society 
wore tattoos from the very poor to the military to the royal families of Europe, men and women alike. They fell out of popularity in Victorian times and 100 years ago were only seen on circus performers, sailors and criminals. (laughs) They're... they're, Their popularity increased again during the Second World War, but for very practical reasons, because soldiers often had their blood type tattooed. You were just about to take a photo there, weren't you? And I went, it's not a good look. Um, Soldiers often had their blood type tattooed under their left armpit in case they were wounded in battle. Sailors used to have tattoos so that their bodies could be identified if they went down with the ship. You know, Fred said to me, I always remember he came to me, I think he was about 22, and he said, I'm thinking of getting a tattoo, which any parent of a 22-year-old knows that he means, I made my mind up six months ago, I've got an appointment on Friday, and I'm doing it, and I need you to get used to it. (laughs) Tattoos are now used to tell a person's story as a memory jogger, a souvenir, or just to identify you as a member of a group, or indeed to underline your unique personality or love of Nando's. Now, Fred, and I think Brad, has a tattoo of the Nando logo, and I'm just really happy he wasn't in love with KFC, because that would have been really weird having Colonel Sanders on your shoulder. Whatever your thoughts are on tattoos, the art of turning the body into a living canvas seems to be here to stay because the popularity is solidly on the rise. The the word tattoo was the number one search term on the internet in 2002. Now, I am tattoo and judgment free. (laughs) But actually, that's not quite true because I was once stabbed in the leg at school with a pencil by Kevin Bickers. (laughs) And the lead broke off in my leg it was the 70s where men were men. And, um, but doesn't even, doesn't even the name Kevin Bickers strike terror into your heart? Well, Kevin was a big bloke with a hormone overload and a full beard at 11. The teacher heard me crying and he asked if I wanted to do something about it. And actually Kevin Bickers said, yeah, do you want to do something about it? And I thought, The teacher, when he says, do you want to do something about it, he means take Kevin to the principal's office and get the bejeebas belted out of him. But Kevin meant, do you want to do something about it? That meant, do you want to come into the schoolyard and I'll beat you to a pulp in front of all your friends? So I am proudly tattoo-free, but I still have that lead. Mark in my leg. I found it the other day when I got a bit bored when I was looking for this. I must say that the 70s were a far more innocent time. 35% of the population today wear a tattoo, 17% regret the tattoo. That's normally because, and I saw a photo of this, they've got something like Haley crossed out and it says, Whoops, I meant Charlene. A Dallas Mavericks basketball player, Sean Marion, was nicknamed the Matrix. And they thought it would be fun to have it, he thought it would be fun to have it tattooed in Chinese characters on his leg. You can't really see it, but Chinese characters and a leg. 
So translation errors and poor tattoo work meant that he ended up with a tat that roughly translates to read demon bird mothballs. So maybe tattoo parlours should have a sign saying think before you ink or maybe the recorded voice of someone's mother playing in the background going, you'll regret it, you'll regret it. See, tattoos can be removed at a price. And you can get the bad ink out of your skin. It's painful, it's expensive, but it's effective if you want to take the unwanted marks of the past away. And who doesn't want that? You say, you may not have tattoos, but you may have regrets. You may not have a skin souvenir from a booze cruise or a night in the valley, but you have the memories of one. You may not carry his or her name on your shoulder, but you carry the weight of words spoken or the things that you've done. See, guilt leaves a tattooed heart. And on this Easter Sunday, God has a lot to say about the predicament of guilt, the curse of regrets and the problem of sin. And it's all good news. See, guilt may be having its way with you. Regrets might be knocking you about or maybe the pain of some crazy decisions you've made is overwhelming. But you need to consider this promise found in the Bible in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 8. It says, no matter how deep the stain of your sins, I can take it out and make you clean as the freshly fallen snow. Now... I've experienced freshly fallen snow in Canada in minus 26. I got up one morning and went for a walk in it. And that feeling of freshness, a new start, the silence, the purity is summed up in this verse. Because when we come to know Jesus Christ as a saviour, those stains are taken out. That guilt is removed. I have a predicament. We've sent men to the moon and we could talk to six people at once on our smartphones with a video call. But you cannot get the bolognese stains out of your shirt. I like my bolognese with long spaghetti. So you can slurp it and it sort of whooshes, whiplashes into your mouth and you get it all over you. But it's hard to get out. Thing is... I could wear that shirt. I've got a blue, pale blue polo shirt that's spattered. And I, I've sprayed it and so on. But I can still see the stains. And isn't that so much like all of us? I can see the stains even if you can't. Isn't that just like the stuff we've all been through in life? Maybe nobody else can see the stain. And even though you've done your best to get rid of it, put it right, forget it. You can still see it. But the beauty of the Easter story and the good news of the gospel is this, that God sent his only son to die on a cross for you and I, and then to be raised again to life on the third day. But he didn't die like that to rub your face in your mistakes and regrets. Neither did he die or lie in a tomb to bury me under the weight of my sin. And he certainly didn't rise again to leave us down in the dirt wondering How can we get out of this mess? How can I get out of these dirty clothes that seem to trap me? See, not a drop of Jesus' blood went to be wasted on revenge or to make us cringe at our sinful condition. He knew exactly what it would cost him and he was prepared to pay the highest price and go to the lowest place to show the value he puts on you and he puts on me. For what can wash away my sin? Nothing 
but the blood of Jesus. And the question for some of us here today is, is there a God who holds the universe and the solar systems in his hands? And if so, does this God really care about me? Does Jesus really come through and save the day? We can sometimes feel that we are the full guy to life's bad jokes. You know, a friend betrays us, the promotion doesn't come through, a business fails, pregnancy doesn't happen, a parent dies young. We can get so used to things not coming through for us that we may scarcely believe it when we hear Jesus say, come to me, everyone who is tired and burdened down by regrets, by guilt, by shame, and you will find rest for your souls. When people come back into relationship with God through faith in Jesus, they receive the greatest of blessings, grace for all their sins, and Jesus pardons every rebellious act. We need to understand something, though, that guilt is God's idea. He uses it the same way road engineers use the rumble strip down the side of the motorway because it warns us that we're going off track and it brings us back on track. When I swerve off course, the guilt rumble strips get my attention and call me back into my lane. But it's a warning noise, an attention getter. It's not a place that you want to keep your wheels on, although I have driven down that strip for a few minutes just to annoy the wife and kids. But, (laughs) see, honestly, guilt and regret were never meant to be our travel companions in life. And yet somehow what started as guilt dropping by for a chat becomes a permanent living arrangement. But we just go back to the thought of Jesus and the laying of burdens on him. It says in Hebrews 9 verse 26, he came to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Jesus bridged the gap, spanned the distance and made a way where there was no way. If the band could come up, that'd be amazing. Thank you. The removal of guilt... And shame is graphically illustrated in a 3,000-year-old traditional ceremony in which the Hebrews were given the opportunity to watch their sins, guilt and shame, being taken away. And on the Day of Atonement, thousands of Jews would gather while a priest would select two goats. One goat was sacrificed and the other goat, the priest would lay his hands on his head and confess the sins of the people. We are liars. We are cheats. We're jealous about our neighbours. We've crossed so many lines, we don't know how to go back. And he would go down the list, down the list, down the list, until every sin, every guilt, every shame was confessed. And only then he would take the goat and he would walk down the road and slowly he would disappear over the horizon and he would let the goat go free and then he would walk back to the crowd that was waiting and the people would wait until they saw him come back alone and the lesson was clear see the picture is God didn't want sin, guilt or remorse among his people in the watching crowd there would have been kids of all ages Jews were great ones for telling stories to their kids. They'd never miss an opportunity to teach them. You could just hear a kid, you know, why did they send the goat away, Dad? He hasn't done a thing wrong. And the dad would gently point out 
that that is exactly the point of the ceremony, that God uses the sinless to remove the sins of the guilty. It says in Hebrews again, he was offered once to bear the sins of many. And, and tonight, the good news is that God is in the business of giving fresh starts for our tattooed hearts. You know, the only option otherwise is to work the best I can over the stains and the smudges, or worse, just throw this away. But isn't it wonderful that Jesus can wipe our sins away and make us clean and fresh and new? I can allow Jesus to touch my life and wash me and give me a fresh start. You may feel that you've been stained and scarred, broken or marked for life, but Jesus says otherwise. Just take a few moments to reflect. See, if the imprint of guilt showed up as tattoos, how marked up would you be? What would you see in the mirror? Would you see the broken heart of a parent? Or the, maybe the face of someone you hurt? Maybe you have regret tattoos, the what-ifs and the if-onlys of life. What if I'd said no to that business deal or if only I'd been a better father or mother? So you don't have to dig too deep, none of us do, in the basement of our lives to find skeletons that will rattle and keep us awake at night. But as I finish, there is a scripture that you need to know and to think about on this Easter Sunday because Jesus bears for all eternity the scars from the nails in his hands and feet. They are a constant reminder to him that as far as the east is from the west, the scripture says, I've separated you from your sins. And this scripture, which is so amazing, out of Isaiah, says, I have inscribed, or another version says, tattooed you on the palm of my hands. He's written your name where he can see it. And in the end, what's written on his hand about you is the only tattoo that matters. I just, right across this room, I'd just like us to stand together. With every, with every eye closed and our heads bowed. See, there's somebody in this place today that needs a fresh start in relationship with Jesus. Somebody's saying, hey, I've got these stains in my life and they're real bad. I need help. You might feel far away from God today. You might be saying, Pastor Rob, I need this guilt, this shame, these regrets that you're talking about. I need them removed. And there's good news because Jesus is here right now to meet with you, to meet with me. As I said, let's have our heads bowed, our eyes closed. and I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now and if you want to come home to God if you want to start that relationship with Jesus if you want him to remove that past out of your life then this is your moment we're going to pray together as a church family and you can repeat after me so everyone together Heavenly Father I believe Jesus Christ 
is the Son of God. And today, I make Jesus the Lord of my life. I believe in my heart that God raised Him from the dead. And I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I believe I am saved. This is my new beginning. So with heads bowed, eyes still closed, if you prayed that prayer for the first time and you meant that and, and you, or you've recommitted your life tonight, on the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to put your hand up boldly so I can see you. No one's looking at you. But if you'd raise your hand, one, two, three. Yep, thank you so much. Thank you so much. That's amazing. That's amazing. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. That's so wonderful. And Maddie and Jono, they'll be over here. There's Maddie waving and Jono. You might not have put your hand up. You might want to talk to somebody. There's plenty of people here to talk with you. They'll be happy to talk to you about life. Maddie and Jono, the, uh, the couple of people over here that I saw gave their lives to the Lord. We're going to worship again. Thank you so much, church.